Good day, all. Welcome to a new episode of Learning Bible Truth with Dr. Kamala D. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D., here to teach you Bible truth, help you grow in faith, and learn how to walk in God's amazing grace. Now, I want you to remember to pray and ask God for understanding. Put your learning hats on, get your Bibles, invite family and friends, take notes, and let's learn Bible truth. Good day all. I want to thank each of you for tuning in today for part two of the Holy Spirit, who he is and why we need him. Now, before we move forward, I want to clarify a couple of things for some listeners. During the segment, I never knew you a wake up call to the world and part one of the current message regarding the Holy Spirit. They had a couple of listeners that had some questions. Now, I received a message from my brother in Christ who lives in South Africa. He's a young Christian, bless his heart, uh, regarding a question about the Holy Spirit. The young man said that he thought and believed that you get to know the Holy Spirit by going to church and studying the Bible. Well, my friend, clearly that's not true. This is why we need teaching ministries like mine. The Holy Spirit is a gift from God in the person of the Holy Spirit. And the only way you can come to know him is to receive him in your spirit, in your recreated spirit and let him guide you and teach you. Now, during part two of the Holy Spirit, who he is and why we need him, which is coming up shortly, um, you will learn more details about the Holy Spirit. Now you can learn of the Holy Spirit and what he does by reading the Bible. Okay. You're going to learn a lot more in this upcoming uh, part two. Now, the second thing I want to clear up is uh, a couple of people wanted to know what I meant when I said Christians being judged on judgment day. Now this was during the episode. I never knew you a wake up call to the world. Now, when I said those who go before the judgment seat of Christ, I wasn't talking about judgment in a condemnatory way. I was talking about Christians will be judged according to what they did in their bodies after they are born again. Now you are still saved. Let's make that clear. You are still saved. Once you are truly saved, you cannot be lost. Once you are saved, you are always saved. Now that is your reward, but you won't receive additional rewards in heaven. If you've been out there constantly falling in sin and, and then you are restored and then you fallen again, but you really truly believed in Christ, you are saved and no man can take that salvation away from you. Okay. Now I just might teach a sequel on this because this is very important. Now the people whom Jesus never knew, just because you say the name of Jesus and teach in his name doesn't mean you're saved. A lot of these people are in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ today, right now, as I speak, you will go before the great white throne judgment seat where you will, you will be told why you are going into the lake of fire. That's what's going to happen. Those who never accepted Christ and what he did on the cross Names are not written in the Lamb's book of life and they will be cast into the lake of fire. He never knew you. Now, this is very important. We are living in the dispensation of grace. 
those who have not accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, as Lord and Savior, those who are non-believers, if you happen to die today, see, you don't know when your life is going to end. If you happen to die today, it's too late for you to come back and get saved. So your best bet is to accept Christ today, which is why I have made a vow to the Lord to extend an invitation to accept Christ after every message, because that is how important it is. I don't want to keep the salvation just for me. Salvation is extended to every man under this planet. Religion doesn't save Christ does. I know religion sounds good. Make you feel good while you're here. But when you leave this planet, Jesus said, I never knew you. Those who come before me, because the Bible clearly says every knee will bow. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. But those whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life, I'm here to tell you, they will be cast into the lake of fire. And just because you don't believe it doesn't mean that it's not true. And just because you don't believe it doesn't mean it's not going to happen. And you can't change it. You can't change it. Why take that risk? That's what my question is to you. Why take that risk? So I hope uh, this clarified some things. So uh, let's get into part two of the Holy Spirit, who he is and why we need him. This is surely going to bless you. Now let's get started. Okay, my friends, we are going to pick up where we left off from during part one. I laid the foundation of who the Holy Spirit is. And for those of you who are listening for the first time, I normally teach using the New King James Version. So if you have another version, that's fine. You may see some different wording, but I promise you we will end up in the same place. And if you want to hear the entire episode of part one, you have to go to one of my five podcasts, which um, I will share with you at the end of this message. Okay. Now, saints, uh, just for a little recap, um, we talked about who the Holy Spirit is, and now we will go on to something of at least equal importance and benefit. That is the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Now, is being filled with the, the Spirit the same as being born of the Spirit? Why should we be filled with the Spirit? What should we do first when we are filled with the spirit? There is an incredible amount of confusion about these issues in the body of Christ. Now, for those of you who are listening to me for the first time, I am very outspoken. I share scripture. I rightly divide the scriptures and you may be hearing some stuff for the first time. And if you belong to a denomination um, I realize this may be a sensitive area for some people and it may rock the boat of some denominations. But according to the Bible, there is no way you can be filled with the Holy Spirit in the same instant you are saved. Now, Jesus tells us in John 14, 16 and 17. And let me also lay a couple of uh, ground rules. For the sake of time, I already have my scriptures laid out unless the Holy Spirit leads me to a scripture that I don't have documented and I have notes. So if you hear some page turning in the background, that's the reason. 
but you have the option to pause the podcast. Once you find your scripture, you can resume. But for the sake of time, I am going to go straight through. Okay. Now I want you to go to John 14 verses 16 and 17. And this is Jesus talking. And I will pray the father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. Now the world is another term for the sinner. If the world cannot receive the spirit of truth, which is another name for the Holy Spirit, it means sinners cannot receive the Holy Spirit. Now, let me ask you a question. What is a person when he or she accepts Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord? A sinner, because a sinner is the only person who needs to receive him. If what they told us when we were first saved were true and 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 we had received the Holy Spirit at the same time, uh, we were saved. That would mean we received the Holy Spirit while we were still a sinner. Now, from what we just read in John, that is scripturally impossible. It is entirely possible to be saved and, and live your whole life without being filled with the spirit. Okay. That is possible because when I first got saved about 20, maybe 28 years ago, I wasn't filled with the spirit. I didn't get filled with the spirit until maybe 15 years after. Okay. Now let's, I want you to go to Acts, the book of Acts chapter eight verses 14 and 16. And I want you to write these scriptures down so you can research them and, and study later on. And I will commence to reading. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit for as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now notice Peter and John prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. The people in Samaria were saved. They had gotten saved. They had received Jesus as Savior and Lord. And they had been baptized in the name of Jesus. Yet they had not been filled with the Holy Spirit. If being baptized with the Holy Spirit were automatic, they would not have had to pray that the people might receive him. Do you, do you follow me? Now notice also that they prayed that the people might receive, not that they would receive, but that they might receive. You can reject the Holy Spirit and refuse to be filled with him. Being filled with the spirit is optional. Okay. That is very important for you to know. Being filled with the spirit is optional. It is not up to God. It is up to you. This is echoed in verse 17, which states, then they talking about Peter and John laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. It does not say the Holy Spirit suddenly came upon them when Peter and John laid, laid their hands on them or that he forced himself upon them. It says 
they received the Holy Spirit. Now, the infilling of the Holy Spirit was based on the people's receiving him. And receive indicates a willful act on the part of the people. Now, your salvation does not hinge upon being filled with the Spirit. Because I don't want to keep none of you in bondage. I want to <laughs> relieve some of you right now. Your salvation does not hinge upon being filled with the Spirit. You should be filled. And we will, you know, I'll talk a, a little bit about that. Um, and, and why you should be filled in a little bit. But it has nothing to do with whether or not you go to heaven and when you physically die. Now, Paul tells us in Romans 10, 9. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Now, the two prerequisites for your salvation are believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth. Believing filled with the spirit is not even mentioned. Okay. Being filled with the spirit is not mentioned in, um, Romans 10, nine is not. Now there is also a doctrine in, in some denominations called baptismal regeneration. In other words, they believe that if you are not baptized in water, you cannot, you cannot and will not be saved. <laughs> some of this stuff is comical. Now, Paul, Paul does not mention this in Romans 10, nine. Also, Jesus states in Mark 16, 16, write that down. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Now, we should be baptized in water, just like a person should wear a wedding ring if that person is married. It is symbolic of what Jesus did for us in his death, burial, and resurrection. And it identifies us as being with Christ as far as the world is concerned. But notice, in the latter part of the verse, that condemnation does not come from not being baptized. It says, but he who, who, uh, it says, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Not being baptized is not mentioned as part of the, uh, the damnation. And neither for that matter is, is not being filled with the Holy spirit. So that's why we have to rightly divide these scriptures. Line must be upon line and precept must be upon precept precept. And that's why I encourage people to go to a faith based teaching church, a, a church that teaches and not just preaches. Okay. Now the next question is why should I be filled with the Holy spirit? Why do I need to be filled? Now, these are legitimate questions. Jesus gives us one part of the answer in Acts 1.8, where he says this. Uh -huh. Look, I'm trying to get to my little scripture, people. Oh, Jesus says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. If you do not have the Holy Spirit come upon you, you do not have the power and you need that power to be an effective witness of, of the gospel to others. Now there are too many cases of, of a lot of zeal and commitment being expelled without any power. 
And a direct result of this is a lot of mediocre witnessing. Oh, yeah. That's why a lot of the saints don't witness. They don't have the power to do it. They don't. They're, they're saved, but they don't have the power to witness. Now, Jesus would not tell us about receiving power if we did not need it. And when it comes to going about the Lord's business, we definitely need it. The word power in this verse is really the word ability. So without the power of the Holy Spirit, you do not have the supernatural ability to be as effective as you can be. Now, I want to uh, put emphasis on this. You need the power to be an effective witness of the gospel to other people. Okay, saints, that's why we need it. Now, we need to be a witness on Jesus terms because Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 3, 9, that for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. He adds in 2 Corinthians 6, 1, we then as workers together with him also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Now, we are not laborers for God. We are laborers with him. This is a very important distinction. It implies that God is doing something and he is privileging us to assist him. He has given up the, us the privilege to assist him. Okay, saints. However, you cannot be a worker with God without his power. That makes it of vital importance for us not only to find out what our assignment from God is, but also to get a hold of that power so we can fulfill that assignment. Now, that is why you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit so you can operate in the same power and ability that God operates in. Uh-huh, that same power that the apostles had back in the day after Jesus ascended into heaven is the same power we are supposed to operate in today. Now, being filled with the Holy Spirit is for every believer. And you need to understand that it is for every believer. Now, if you are a Christian, you should also desire to be filled. Now, Jesus tells us as, as much in, in John chapter seven, verses 37 through 39. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now notice this verse says that everyone who believed would receive the Holy Spirit. That is who they will receive. That, that is who will receive provided they receive him. Now it is not automatic as some of these churches are teaching that if you, you know, accept Christ, you automatically get filled with the Holy spirit. That's not true. And I want to make that clear. Cause, um, even though I don't mind accepting messages after the episode is over and, and then sending the answer for more clarification, but I want to be clear on this. Now it is not automatic. Now, as we mentioned before, being filled is your decision. Another scripture that states the Holy Spirit is for every believer is in Acts chapter two, verses 38 through 39. 
Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off as many as the Lord, our God will call. And before I move on, uh, saints, I want to share with you, I am exhausted. Now I had to pray before I uh, started this message because <laughs> I had to ask God to give me some strength because trust me, my day was full. And I am a little bit tired. I thought I would be able to take a nap before I started. So I want you guys to bear with me. If I happen to make a mistake, I'll clear it up during next week's message. It's going to be an entirely new message, which is why I want to um, finish this one today. I want to make sure I don't have to go into a part three. Okay. Now let me ask you this question. Has God called anyone into the family of God other than the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers? Hmm. Of course he has. Second Peter three, nine says this, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness, but is long suffering. And that simply means uh, patient toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now all includes us. It includes you. It doesn't just include me. It includes you. We are all called into the family of God. So the promise of receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit is ours as well. Now notice something else in these verses. You could get the impression from what Peter says in, in Acts 2.38 that being filled with the Holy Spirit is something you receive automatically without any effort on your part. But let's read, let's read it again. Repent and let every one of you be baptized and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, if Peter had said, repent and be baptized and you shall be given the gift of the Holy Spirit, this would certainly be the case. However, he did not say that. He said, and you shall be, and you shall be given. Well, I'm sorry. He didn't say, and you shall be given. He said, and you shall receive. Now to receive something, you have to exercise your will. If someone gives you something, you can decide either to take it or reject it. All Peter is saying is that the gift of the Holy Spirit is available should you decide that you want it. That is what Peter is talking about in that scripture. This is why these scriptures have to be rightly divided. Now, uh, so what is the first thing you should do once you are filled with the Spirit? Hmm. That is my question to you. So let's talk a little bit about that. The answer to that question is very controversial. And the reason it is controversial is that most Christians are disobedient to follow what the Lord says in his word. Now in Acts uh, chapter two, verses one through four, we learn what happened when the first individuals were filled with the spirit. Uh, let's look, let's read. Let me read. Uh, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. 
Now, the spirit gave them utterance, meaning he gave them what they spoke, but the people were the ones doing the speaking. Now, the word tongues in the Greek is the word glossa, is G-L-O-S-S-A, which means languages. So these people were speaking in languages other than their native tongues. Now, Many people have had a challenge dealing with this, this idea of speaking with other tongues. Now, I started speaking with other tongues when I got filled with the Holy Spirit 15 years after I got saved. Okay, so I get it. Um, but I can tell you, it, it's, a, it's a wonderful feeling to have a direct connection with the uh, creator of the universe. It's a wonderful feeling. So I don't know why people would be scared because yeah, um, demons run from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't run from demons. God's people don't run from demons. Demons run from God's people. And y'all need to write that down. So um, the only reason people rebel against it is because Satan doesn't want them to speak with other tongues. Okay. Now, when you speak with other tongues, Satan cannot understand what you are saying. So it, it, it locks him out. He cannot monitor what you are saying, nor can he influence it. Okay. Now, some people think they are much too spiritual to speak with other tongues. Oh, I've encountered them. I've been walking with the Lord a long time. I have encountered them. Now, they think that when, you know, you speak with other tongues, you are out of control and, and, and they want to be in control at all times. That idea is a fallacy. Okay. You are not out of control when you speak with other tongues. You are simply yielding your tongue to the control of the Holy Spirit, who always does everything decently and in order. Now, the Holy Spirit will never force you to do anything. And you guys need to understand that God is not in the forcing business. Now, in fact, part of his purpose is to help you maintain godly control of your life. That's why a lot of Christians are out of control with their lifestyles. Because they don't have the Holy Spirit in them to help them. You know, he's also known as our helper. I mentioned that earlier. You know, being filled with the Holy Spirit is a benefit in so many ways. Now, so, so don't look to what other people say about the Holy Spirit or have experienced. We are supposed to measure everything by the word of God, not by someone's experience. This is where many Christians miss the mark. Now, when you see who are doing uh, uh, what the word says, you can look at what the word says. You can look at, then you look at them, but you always have to look at them in relation to the word so that you will know whether or not they are doing what the word says. You do not look at people first. Okay, saints? Then find out what the word says. Your you have an obligation to look at the word and then you will know how people are supposed to act. Okay. Look at the word first. Then you won't be, de you won't be uh, deceived as much. Now let's look at what happened in Samaria. Now the second account we have of people being filled with the spirit starts at Acts chapter eight, verse 14. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. 
They had only been baptized in the name of Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now notice what is uh, conspicuously missing. It does not say the people spoke with other tongues. And see, that's the benchmark where we know. That's the sign with how we know, that we know people are filled with the Holy Spirit. They start speaking in other tongues. But let's continue reading the story from verse 18. Listen. And verse 18 says, And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, Your money perish with you, because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter. For your heart is not right in the sight of God. Your heart has to be right when you receive the Holy Spirit, saints. It is not for sale. The Bible makes that clear. It is not for sale. Just because you're rich don't mean you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Your heart has to be right. Now, remember during the episode I taught, I Never Knew You, A Wake Up Call to the World? I mentioned, for those of you who listened to that episode, I, and for those of you who haven't, I advise you to do so. It's very powerful. I mentioned that some people tried to purchase the Holy Spirit. And this is what I was talking about right here. I was talking about this verse right here. Now, let me rightly divide the last verse where Peter says, you have neither part nor portion in this matter for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Now, after very diligent study, I discovered that this last verse is talking about speaking with other tongues. If you look up the word matter, M-A-T-T-E-R, in the original Greek, you will find out that it is the word for word. <laughs> yeah, as simple as that. Not logos, L-O-G-O-S, which, uh, which Bible scholars agree is a synonym for Jesus Christ, but the actual word for word. Now, the verse should actually read like this. You have no, no part nor portion in this word of utterance. That word of utterance was how Simon knew something had been imparted. He saw the people speaking with other tongues, possibly some people that he knew. You know, I don't know. That's just my opinion right there. And that got his attention. Now, let's look at when Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, in the ninth chapter of Acts, Paul, who was then called Saul, had his experience with Jesus on the road to Damascus and, and was sent into a city. Uh, he was sent into the city of Damascus. Now, while Paul was in the city, God told a disciple named Ananias to go to him and pray for, for two things that Paul might receive his sight and that he might receive the Holy Spirit. Now notice what happens. This is Acts uh, chapter nine, verse 17 and 18. And Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. 
But what Paul, but, but, but what about Paul's being filled with the Holy Spirit? Ananias was instructed by the Lord to minister to Paul in that regard. And I do not know why it, it, it is not mentioned in these verses. However, we know Paul was filled with the spirit because he wrote in first Corinthians 14, 18. I thank my God. I speak with tongues more than you all. Nobody else ever spoke with tongues until they were filled with the spirit. So we can infer from what Paul wrote to the church in Corinth that he was filled with the spirit as well. Okay. Now that makes three situations in which Paul in, in which, uh, people were filled with the spirit and spoke with other tongues. Now, another incident is found in Acts chapter 10 verses 44 through 47. When Peter was directed by the Holy Spirit to go to the house of a Gentile named Cornelius and ministered there. Now let's read. While Peter was still speaking, speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word and those of the circumcision, talking about the Jews, who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? Now, how did Peter know they had received the Holy Spirit just as we have? Because he heard them speak. In fact, it not only con convinced Peter, but also the Jewish Christians who had uh, criticized him for entering a, a Gentile's house in the first place. Now, entering a Gentile's house was unlawful for a Jew. Okay. Now in Acts 11, um, 15 through 18, we have the, uh, upshot of what happened. Uh, let's, let's read. And as I began to speak, the Holy spirit fell upon them as upon us at the beginning. Then I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy spirit. If therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? When they, talking about the Jews, heard these things, they began, they became silent and they glorified God saying, then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. But you know what people are something else. Or something that they thought that they can just <laughs> keep the Holy Spirit just for themselves. Honey, the, the gift of the Holy Spirit is for every believer. Don't let anyone tell you any differently. These scriptures are not telling you one lie. They are speaking the truth. This is God speaking to you through scripture. Okay. Now the scripture says that the Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us at the beginning. They knew that all they had to do was go back to the beginning and they would know how the Holy Spirit fell on those Gentiles. Okay. They spoke with tongues when the Holy Spirit first fell on them. And that was exactly what happened with the Gentiles in Cornelius's house. Okay. Now in Ephesus, let's look at, at, at the church in Ephesus. We, you know, we have still another incident recorded in Acts chapter 19. This is verses one through six. 
And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now, if receiving the Holy Spirit was something that happened automatically when you were saved, Paul would not have asked these disciples, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Okay, now some of this stuff is just common sense. Now, the answer to the disciple, I mean, the answers uh, that the disciples gave him is endemic, okay, of what is happening in many denominations today. I hate to have to keep bringing up denominations, but denominations are the reason God's children are so messed up. It is endemic of what is happening in many denominations today. We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit because it ain't being taught. That's why. A very important part of the Christian walk is not being taught in all these churches. Now, it is in some of them. Don't get me wrong, but it's not being taught in all the churches. And shame on these false teachers for refusing to teach God's word and replacing it with their traditions. Shame on them. We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Unbelievable. Now, let's get let me get back on track because I am very passionate about God's word and telling people the truth. Because I was lied to back in the day for, uh, in a Baptist church. And when I found out the truth, I said, part of my mission is going to be to expose these false teachers. Now, as Paul points out in Rome, Romans uh, 10, 17, y'all go there. Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The reason most people do not believe in receiving the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking with other tongues is because they cannot believe it. The reason they cannot believe it is that they do not have any faith for it. And the reason they do not have any faith for it is because they never hear about it or, or they haven't heard about it. And this is unbelievable. Now, in all five of these passages of scripture, we have seen illustrations of people receiving the Holy Spirit. And in three of these examples, it very clearly and concisely points out that when people were filled with the Holy Spirit, they began to speak with other tongues. And uh, in the other two passages we read, there is circumstantial evidence to prove this. This happened in those situations as well. Now, therefore, there is no reason to doubt that when people are filled with the Spirit today, that they should speak with other tongues as the spirit gives them utterance. I speak with other tongues. So I already know it exists today because I wouldn't be speaking with it. Now let's talk about two kinds of tongues. Okay. Cause we do have two kinds of tongues and sometimes that confuse people. One was one mistake many people make is lumping speaking with tongues in the same category as the gift of different kinds of tongues. 
one of the nine gifts of the spirit recorded in 1 Corinthians 12. They are not the same manifestation, people. I want to make that clear. Yet people in churches still use that excuse as a way to get out of uh, doing what the word of God declares. Now, we read earlier that the gift of the Holy Spirit is available to every believer. And that when people in the Bible receive that gift, they variably spoke with other tongues. Now, another scripture that confirms this is Mark 16, verse 17, where Jesus says this. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. Now, this is Jesus talking. He said these signs will follow those who believe. Now, the signs Jesus mentions, which include speaking with tongues, should follow every believer. OK, now, when it comes to the gifts of the spirit, Paul writes in first Corinthians uh, 12, 11, but one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Now, in other words, the gifts come only through whom and to whom the Holy Spirit manifests them for, you know, for, for the profit of the individual or group of individuals he is addressing. Now, not everyone will have these manifestations. However, everyone who is filled with the spirit can and should speak with tongues. Another scripture that is uh, misconstrued when it comes to speaking with tongues is 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verse 28 through 30. And God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps of administrations, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? Now, this is similar to a passage in the fourth chapter of Ephesians, which lists uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. These are the ministry gifts Christ has placed in the body to edify and perfect the saints and to do the work of the ministry. They are not, they are not spiritual gifts. Okay. Here in first Corinthians, Paul lists only three of these five offices by their categorical names. Listen, he lists the other two offices by their uh, functional names, by the spiritual gifts that should be in operation in those ministries. The term administrations refers to the pastor because the pastor is the head of the local church and the under shepherd under Jesus. Now, the great shepherd, of course. Now, the gifts of helps and uh, diversities of tongues also relate to these offices. Now, Paul asks, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all have the gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? The answer to all those questions is, of course, no, because not everyone is called into the ministry. That is what we need to understand. Not everyone is called into the ministry. And I want to clear, clarify something here as well. Since I reached this section, um, I've, I've received messages in the past of some um, episodes that I taught 
when I was talking about false teachers and stuff. Now, everyone in the church who is not teaching the truth or not rightly dividing the scriptures are not false teachers. They are operating outside of their gifts. That's what we see as well. Yeah, we, we have a bunch of people operating out, outside of their gifts. So, but, but some people use this passage to prove not everyone has to speak with tongues. And that's not true. That is just simply being dishonest. And in the context of these verses is not scripturally true either. There are several reasons we should speak with tongues. Paul instructs in First uh, Corinthians 14 and 2. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Remember, I told you it is a beautiful feeling being able to speak directly to, to our heavenly father and every Christian, every believer has that gift. Okay. That's why you should be filled with the Holy spirit. Now for no, no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. Now he adds in the fourth verse of the same chapter, he who speaks in a tongue edifies means builds up himself. If you want to get into the spirit or if you want to build yourself up and make, make yourself strong in the spirit, you can do so by speaking with tongues. Still another reason uh, is stated in, in first Corinthians 14, 14 and 15. Here, Paul says this, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit and I will also sing with the understanding. Now speaking with tongues is the prayer language of your recreated spirit when you are born again. Okay. It is a, it's essentially a, a, a hotline to the heavenly father. Now this is one the devil cannot tap honey. And one that is not limited. Now, as your mind can be, your mind is always limited by vocabulary or education. Okay. Now through it, you can fully express yourself to the father, which can make your personal prayer and worship, worship time, all the more intimate, special and rewarding saints. Oh yes, indeed. Now, if you have not received the Holy spirit, with the evidence of speaking with other tongues and you would like to do so, here are some steps you can take. Now, this is very important. You can write this down. These are for people who want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay. Of course, I wasn't going to let this episode in without telling you how to be filled. Now, number one, before you seek the gift of the Holy Spirit, be sure of your salvation. That is because as we read earlier, John 7, 38 and 39 declares that the promise of the Holy Spirit is made only to believers. Okay. So that's why you have to make sure you are saved first. Now, becoming a Christian is very simple. For those of you who are listening that have not accepted Christ, all you have to do is confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You got to start memorizing that in your heart. You hear me? So that you can share it with others. Now, do you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead? Have you confessed Jesus as Lord or, or of your life? Once you answer yes to both of these questions, you are saved. Oh yes, you are saved by grace and no man can take that grace away from you. And you are ready to seek a deeper experience with the Holy Spirit. Number two, 
after you have read the book of Acts. <laughs> oh, yes, I'm going to make it difficult for you <laughs> because you need to educate yourself. After you have read the book of Acts and 1 Corinthians 12, 14, let the word show you let the word show you that the Holy Spirit is meant for every believer. OK, read the following passages of scripture uh, carefully. Go to Joel, which is J-O-E-L. Chapter 2, verse 28 and 29. John, uh, chapter 1, verse 33. Matthew, chapter 3, verse 11. Mark, chapter 16, verse 17. Luke, chapter 3, verse 16. Luke, chapter 11, verses 9 through 13. Mark, chapter 1, verse 8. Luke, chapter 24, verse 49. Now, God says that in the last days, he will pour out his spirit on all men. There is no expiration date or, or distribution limit. All who seek the Holy Spirit may receive him. Okay. Don't let nobody who the devil is using tell you any differently. Okay. Now, remember that the Holy Spirit is given freely by grace to every believer who desires him. Now, being baptized with the Holy Spirit is not a reward for, for some contrived degree of, of holiness, okay? It is a gift intended to take you into a deeper Christian experience and help you achieve victory in your daily faith walk. Now, here are some scriptures you will want to check, okay? Because, look, you know, I'm a scripture girl. Yes, I am. So I want to give you these scriptures so that you can benefit from them as well. John chapter 7, verse 38 and 39 John 15 verse 16 John 14 verse 16 and 17 John 16 verse 12 and 14 John 14 verses 25 and 26 and John 16 and 7 now number four when receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit it helps to be with a group of spirit-filled Christians who can instruct encourage and pray with you okay this is for two reasons First, it is scriptural. Acts 8, 17 and, and, and chapter 9, verse 6 and verse 17. It shows us how others may help by laying on of hands as a point of faith release. Okay. Second, Satan will immediately challenge the authenticity of your experience. That is very important because, you know, when soon as you hear the word Satan right there to snatch it. And you need some spiritual support, honey, when you are trying to receive the Holy Spirit because Satan don't want you to receive the Holy Spirit. Mm -mm. Now, when this happens, it is good to have the witness of, of Christian friends to encourage you and sustain you as you grow in strength and power. Okay. Now, number five, once you are ready to receive, simply pray the following. Now, for those of you who are, who are ready to receive the Holy Spirit right now, I'm willing to pray this prayer with you. Um, you can play it when you are by yourself and uh, you have to be sincere. And I'm going to stretch out my hand in hopes that you are filled. Okay. Now, Father, I believe with all my heart on the authority of your word that the gift of the Holy Spirit is meant for everyone who is listening. Just as I trust you for my eternal salvation by faith, so now by faith, I trust you to give them the Holy Spirit, fulfill the fullness of the Holy Spirit, 
with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. I receive now the gift of the Holy Spirit within. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just had to stop myself from speaking because <laughs> it was about to come out. Speaking in tongues, honey. Oh, yes. Now, number six. Now, release the spirit by praising the Lord with other tongues. Now, you see how it almost came out of me when it because it's going to happen if you are sincere, because I was getting ready to speak in tongues just now, um, just by saying that prayer with you guys. So you need to allow it to release, you know, praise the Lord with, with, with other tongues by faith. Now, as the spirit gives you utterance, remember, the Holy Spirit does not do the speaking you do. Even when you attempt to speak your own language, nothing happens until you open your mouth, right? Move your tongue and lips and add the sound of your voice. Do not speak in English or any other language you understand. If at first your language does not flow, do not be discouraged because it happened to me. Okay. As unfamiliar words flash across your mind, because that's what's going to happen. Speak them out in praise to the Lord. He is working in you. You are going to see words flash across your mind you have never seen before. Those are the words you speak in tongues. Okay. Now, number seven, continue to exercise your gift daily because potentially you have become a powerful and effective witness for Jesus Christ. But like any athlete preparing for competition, you must stay in shape by giving your new experience a daily workout. This is not the end, but the beginning you have stepped into a whole new realm of spiritual blessing and power. Okay. God has not put anything unnecessary into the body of Christ. He, no, he hasn't saints. I'm telling you, he, everything he put in the body of Christ is for a reason. It is to help us deal with the evils in this world. And let me tell you, the devil afraid of people who are filled with the spirit because he don't come by me. Oh, he tries getting me out. He tries to get me outside of here. But me personally, he can't put sickness on me. He can't, he can't ruin my day. He can't steal my joy. He can't depress me. I mean, let me tell you, being filled with the spirit have so many benefits. You'll be shocked. No matter what comes knocking at your door, honey, you will not fall. You will not fall. That's the Holy Spirit keeping you up. You need that Holy Spirit. Now, if God gave the Holy Spirit, he did so for a reason. And we need to exercise the wisdom to find out why he gave it. This includes being filled with the spirit, with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. We need to take the time to investigate it scripturally and be willing to reap the benefits that accrue to us through it. Now, without any fear, prejudice or misconception. Okay. Now let's talk about the gifts and fruit of the spirit. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Now, we touched very briefly on how the gift of the spirit known as divers kinds of tongues is not to be confused with speaking with tongues, which is the physical manifestation of being filled with or baptized with the Holy Spirit. OK, now we will now look at the gifts of the spirit in greater detail and discuss how they relate to what are uh, commonly called the fruit of the spirit. Now the gifts and the fruit balanced and go hand in hand with one another. 
For this reason, they should uh, function together. Now let's look at what Paul says in Galatians uh, chapter five, verse 22 and 23. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such there is no law. Now these fruit have to do with holiness. Okay. Which is something every Christian should cultivate in his or her life. This should not intimidate, frighten, or upset any believer because we should be holy. The reason so many Christians have a challenge with the word holy is that they have not known how it should be used or how it relates to other, to, to, to other words within the framework of the Christian economy. Now to clear up this misunderstanding, I want to stop and define two words. These words are sanctification and holiness. Sanctification is simply the, the, the state or place God separates us into at the new birth. Now, Paul tells us in first Corinthians one but of him, you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. He adds in second Thessalonians two 13, that God has chosen us for salvation through sanctification by the spirit and and belief in the truth. Also Hebrews 2 and 11 says this for both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. And Hebrews 10 14 says that through what Jesus did for us, God has perfected forever. Those who are being sanctified, being sanctified. Hmm. Sanctification has nothing to do with whether or not you wear makeup. Okay. Uh, what clothing you wear or anything else you do. It is strictly and completely a work of the father. God, if you are born again, you are sanctified. Okay. Now holiness on the other hand is the believer's responsibility. Holiness is the character and conduct of those who have experienced salvation. It is the life of Christ which should be manifest in the actions and lifestyle of the believer. The Bible does not tell us to be sanctified, but it very clearly tells us to be holy. Hmm. I need to say that again. The Bible does not tell us to be sanctified, but it very clearly tells us to be holy. Now being holy means yielding our bodies as slaves of righteousness for, for holiness. Now Romans six nineteen. By not lying to people, fornicating, gossiping, or, or doing anything else that would be considered unholy. Paul also reminds us in first Corinthians and not Corinthians, first Thessalonians. Let me get my little scriptures together in first Thessalonians four, seven, that we have been called unto holiness. And in Romans six, 22, that having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness. And the end everlasting life. That is the goal we should strive to toward uh, in, in our daily walk with God. Okay, we are, we are supposed to strive to be holy. Now the fruit of the spirit are the character traits of the Christian life, which, which promote holiness. They, see, God never leaves us with, with, without an example. 
See, if you don't know how to live uh, holy, he tells us in, in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, meaning be patient, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such there is no law. So if you didn't know what um, the fruit of the spirit is and, and, and how we should live holy, there it is. Okay. Now the fruit of the spirit are the character traits of the Christian life, which promote holiness. Okay. They were planted in us when we were born again, and it is up to us to water them. We got to cultivate them and make them grow in our lives. Once we do this, these seeds will manifest fruit. Okay. Through a holy lifestyle. Remember Jesus said a tree is known by its fruit. A tree is known by the fruit it produces. Now we're supposed to be the tree of holiness. We are supposed to be producing holiness. We are supposed to be producing love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Uh-huh. Now, one thing people forget is that fruit comes from a process of time and steady work. Now, uh, uh, they think fruit is something you should have fully formed th that you never have to do anything about. That is not the case. All the things listed in Galatians 5, 22, 23, love, joy, peace, long suffering, and so on are things that take e effort to develop and maintain, especially in the face of events that would, would challenge us. Okay. One thing people forget, and I want to say this again, excuse me. One thing people forget is that fruit comes from a process of time and steady work. Okay, you got to know this word. You got to grow in grace. You can't grow in grace and you can't walk in the fruit of the spirit if you don't know what it is. Because you can't make up the fruit of the spirit is not apples and oranges and peaches and pears. and that, That's not what the fruit of the spirit is. Now, let's take love as an example of this. Paul tells us in Romans 5, 5, that the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. The love of God was placed in our recreated human spirit when we were born again. And we are supposed to exercise it at all times. However, there are some people you, you come across in life who are a challenge to love because they act in such an unloving manner themselves. Now, nevertheless, we are supposed to walk in love when dealing with these people, even though it may take a, a considerable effort of, or at times, you know, because I got some family members I don't be around. I, I refuse to be around. I can love them from a distance. Now, this is where faith comes in. Um, perfect or mature love works by faith. The Bible actually says faith work it through love. That's in Galatians 5, 6. Now, meaning that faith ought to be exercised out of a motive of love. Faith should not be exercised simply for the sake of showing off how spiritual we are. It should be exercised through love, our love for the father. And because Hebrews eleven six says that faith, please, faith pleases him. However, you can also say that love works through faith. You can easily see that because not everyone you will come across in life will be lovable. Y'all, y'all know that some people will be easier to love than others. Yet the Bible instructs us to love one another anyway, period. 
John 15, 12, 1 John 3, 11. That is a commandment of God. And it means you have to love by or through faith. In a, now, in order to love, we have to grow and develop in our faith life. That's just it, people. That's why I teach faith. Because we have without it, we can't please God. We can't. Now, as you, as you demonstrate love through faith more and more, your love develops and grows. This is why 1 John 4, 12 states, if we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. Now, perfected implies a process of maturing, development and increase. Now, if something has to be perfected, it has the potential for attaining perfection, but it is not yet perfect. Okay. Many people do not make the effort to walk in perfect love. Instead, they operate in immature love or, or puppy love, which is based on how someone else relates to you. Now, if someone treats, treats them mean, they will act mean. If someone treats them nice, then they will treat the other people nice. That is not how mature love operates. Mature love treats a person with honor and respect because that person is precious and valuable in the sight of God. Even though he may be acting like a fool. And even if you want, want to hit him a couple of times, like I want to do sometimes to people, uh, mature love is not predicated on how someone else responds to you. It is based on having the love of God shared abroad in your heart and on having your love perfected by your faith. That does not mean you should not get out of the way if someone charges, uh, charges toward you like a bull in China. Okay. You should certainly not stand there and let that person run you down in the road, especially in the road of life. And you should not let that person affect your attitude of, of mature love either. Perfect love is based on the word of God and the word of God never changes. And I need to say that again. You need to write this down so you can meditate on this. Mature love treats a person with honor and respect because that person is precious and valuable in the sight of God. And um, perfect love is based on the word of God and the word of God never changes. We need to meditate on that. Cause see, I had to grow to where I am today. There's nothing no one can do to make me dislike them because I have grown to see people in the eyes of God. And, and I have values that I live by. I treat everyone I encounter with compassion, dignity, and respect, no matter who they are. That's what I live by. So, but I had to grow there and you have to get there too. But let me tell you, don't ignore it. You got to grow in, you have to grow in faith. Now don't stay how you are. You have to grow. Now, Paul says in Ephesians three seventeen that we should become rooted and grounded in mature love. And John adds in first John four, eight, he who does not love does not know God for God is love. If you are in God, you should operate and function in mature love. That is our goal. Saints, the love of God should grow through our root system and come out on the limbs of our lives. That again is a gradual development. Okay. It is a process of continual growth. 
It's not going to happen overnight. But if you've been walking with the Lord 20 years and you still treating people mean, honey, you need to, you know what? You need to uh, confess and accept Christ because that means you don't have him. There's no way you can walk with God 20 years and still be the same. And you don't love nobody. You just mean and hateful to everybody. Mm -mm, mm -mm. It is a process of continual growth. And it is something we should actively strive to attain. Now we have to work to, to perfect the fruit of the spirit in our lives. The gifts of the spirit, on the other hand, are perfect when they are given by the Holy Spirit. The gifts may manifest through imperfect vessels. And because of that, the people, the gift is supposed to be supposed to minister to may not receive the fullness of the gift, but the gift itself is perfect when it is given. It does not need any time to grow. Mm -mm, the gift itself doesn't need to grow. Also, we are never told to pray for the fruit of the spirit. But Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12, 31, but earnestly desire the best gifts. And yet I show you a more excellent way. He continues in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Prophesy means teaching, which is what I do. He tells us to desire spiritual, uh, spiritual gifts, but he does not tell us to desire fruit. That is because we already have everything we need to develop the fruit in our lives. They are dependent on us, dependent, okay, on us, not on God. However, the manifestation of the gifts is dependent on the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we have to desire that he manifests those gifts through us. One other very important point is that gifts of the spirit are given independent of a believer's spiritual maturity. The gifts are not dependent upon the vessel through which they manifest, except that vessel be yielded to the spirit. There are many people who have been spirit filled Christians for a long time, but they are not willing to be used by the spirit. So he cannot manifest the gifts through them because God is not going to, manifest those spiritual gifts because you have to remember the gifts and calling of, uh, of God are without repentance, meaning they are without change. He's not going to change his mind. But some people have been given the gift, but refuse to use. And let me tell you something, God will not let them manifest until you get yourself right. He's not going to have a lunatic walking around trying to show miracles to people and perform miracles and teach and try to heal. Mm-mm. We have a same God. Okay. <laughs> now, as I mentioned earlier, the fruit and the gifts of the spirit balance one another and work closely together. Now the gifts of the spirit are listed in first Corinthians 12, eight and 10. They are not the same as the fruit of the spirit. Remember back in Galatians 23, we are talking about the gifts of the spirit, which is, uh, they are listed in first Corinthians chapter 12, verse eight through 10. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same spirit, to another faith, meaning special faith, not, not the faith you, you exercise to become saved, okay? By the same spirit to another, the gifts of healings by the same spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, which I have that one, to another different kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. 
Now, the fruit of the spirit, as we noted earlier, is mentioned in Galatians 5, uh, 22 and 23. Okay. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such. There is no law. Now, there are several things that emphasize the connection between fruit and gifts. One is that there are nine gifts of the spirit and nine fruit of the spirit. Did y'all notice that? Another is that um, in first Corinthians, let me make sure I didn't uh, skip no notes because I have some notes and I don't want to uh, miss anything. Okay. Another is that in first uh, Corinthians 13. Hmm. Let me see. I'm looking through my notes, y'all. Just bear with me. Okay. In 1 Corinthians 13, the great love chapter is what we call it. It's placed between the two most explicit chapters in the Bible on the operation of the gifts of the spirit. The reason it is there is that it outlines the motive for spiritual gifts to function in the body of Christ. Now, which is why I won't go to a dead church. A church that, that is not filled with the spirit and the pastor ain't filled with the spirit. Ain't nobody in the church filled with the spirit. Ain't no joy in the church. I, you can feel the death when you hit the door. I turn around and leave right back out. And I'm sorry if I stepped on anybody's toes. I ain't going to mention no denominations with that one. But it And, and some of you who hear this message are going to know exactly what I'm talking about. Y'all know. You're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. Now. In 1 Corinthians 13, the issue at hand centers around Christians who were operating in the gifts of the spirit without having any love in manifest, any love and in manifestation. Okay. Now, if you read Paul's dissertation on spiritual gifts in chapters 12 and 14, you will notice that Paul never questions the validity of having those gifts in operation. In fact, he says in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Paul does not say to desire only spiritual gifts or to follow after love and forget about spiritual gifts. He says to do both. That's what he said. He says to do both things, to follow after love and desire spiritual gifts. He never tells the people at the church in Corinth to stop exercising the gifts. Though he does instruct them in chapter 12 that the gifts should be regulated. The challenge he points out is that there was no real concern that the gifts were benefiting other people. Now, if you read the first part of the book of, of first Corinthians, you will notice that Paul was dealing with an unbalanced situation when it came to the gifts and fruit of the spirit. Paul was saying that as important as spiritual gifts are. To think the gifts can take the place of love, joy, peace, and the other fruit of the spirit is wrong. He was also saying that though the fruit of the spirit is important, the idea that they can replace the gifts of the spirit is equally wrong. Paul was given a call to balance because we need both the fruit and the gifts in operation. Now, demonstrating the power of God is one thing. But when you exercise the gifts of the spirit without the fruit, two things happen. First, the exercise is powerless, not to mention irritating to others. Second, the person who exercises the gift does not receive any benefit from it. 
That is why Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 13, 1, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clingling symbol. Okay. Paul was given a call to balance because we need both the fruit and the gifts today. Okay, saints, we need them operating today. Now, in other words, if the life of the person through which the gift of the spirit is being manifested does not measure up to that person's mouth, what that person is saying will sound like someone banging on a, a symbol to everyone else who is listening. It will have no credibility. Ideally, there should be a combination of the genuineness of the gift and the genuineness of the vessel through whom the gift manifests, meaning the person with the gift. Okay. This means we must be very careful about the kind of life we live, especially since people are watching us. Operating in the gifts does not make up for a lack of effort in cultivating the fruit of the spirit in your life. Now, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 14, 4, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. The fact that the speaker edifies himself is good and proper, but he should also pray that prophesying will operate for the benefit of the people. That's what teaching is. It benefits others. What I look like holding all this information it, it, to me just privately. Okay, now his motive, which should be born from the fruit of love, should be that his brothers and sisters in Christ should be edified, as well as himself. When they are together in public assembly, this is why Paul adds in 1 Corinthians 14, 26. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a relationship. I mean, I'm sorry, has a revelation has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. Now, when we see or hear the spirit of God manifest through the gifts, we should end up being the better for it. That is why Paul says, let all things be done for edification. Love always seeks the good more than the bad. Now, the Christian who develops the fruit of the spirit must, must consistently in his life will probably or, or most consistently in his life will probably be the one who also exercise the gifts of the spirit most regularly. This does not mean the person is perfect. Rather, it simply means he has the love of God flowing out of his life. A person can be very immature, spiritually speaking, but his heart and his motives may be right. So the gifts will manifest through him out of a good heart. Now, when you see or hear a manifestation come through a person like that, it can have a positive effect on you. Now, many people make a mistake by assuming when the gifts of the spirit manifest in a person that that person instantly becomes spiritually perfect. That is absolutely not true. The Holy Spirit can help a person become spiritually perfect if that person all, all allows him to, but he will not do that automatically. The potential is that therefore spiritual maturity but it will take time and effort on that person's part to live up to that potential. That is his responsibility, saints. See, a lot of saints are lazy. They want God to do everything. God ain't doing nothing. We have to be obedient. It is the doer of the word, okay? The doer, the doer. We have to do our part. God has done his part already. God doesn't have to do nothing else. He has done his part. 
Now we should therefore encourage that person to reach that goal and exercise some patience. That if a person's heart is clean, the Lord can do all sorts of things with him, provided he is willing to walk by the word, allow the Holy Spirit to guide him. If he's filled with the Holy Spirit and he actively cultivates the fruit of the spirit in his life. This is an ongoing process, saints. You can't be walking in the fruit of the spirit today and decide to take off tomorrow. Okay. It's an ongoing process. Now it is work, but work well spent when that person looks back and, and can, and can see what he had done for people on behalf of the Lord and to see the work that the Lord have done and, and what sort of example he has become to himself. You know, now I have reached the end of this message but saints, let me tell you something. Without the Holy Spirit, you have no power. This is why some of you are scared to speak up. This is why some of you are not sharing Christ like you are supposed to is because you don't have that power, that authority in you. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. And a, a lot of the times, uh, most people haven't heard about the Holy Spirit. I didn't hear about it when I was first um, born again. I was born again almost 28 years ago and I wasn't told about the Holy Spirit at that point. I began to study the word. I was around mature Christians who knew about the Holy Spirit and, and they told me that they saw gifts in me and they said, God is going to use you to preach. And I said, preach. And with my experience and with my past, what I had seen, especially in certain denominations, I'm like, uh-uh. I ain't getting up there, you know, lying. And they say, well, that's why God is choosing you so that you can tell the truth. And when they said that to me, had I not been told that I wouldn't be teaching today. I can, uh, I owe one person in my life. I tell you who led me to Christ and told me that God called me. They saw the anointing on me and said that you see that same energy you used while you were in the world to criticize Christians. God is going to turn that around so that you can minister to Christians and that you can tell the world about Jesus. And that's what my goal is, saints. Now, if you have any questions about this message, you will hear about how you can contact me and send me a message. But for those of you who have not yet accepted Christ, I want you to stand by for an invitation to accept Christ. And then you guys make sure you stand by for my closing remarks. To everyone who hears this message, including those who profess to having accepted Christ, but don't possess his spirit, and to the non-believers who are chasing religion looking for God, tomorrow is not promised to you. Now is the acceptable time. Today is the day of salvation. There is no other way to get to God outside of Christ. There is no back door. I want you to read John chapter 14 verses 1 through 6. All you have to do to secure your salvation in Christ is to say this simple prayer one time and mean it. Father God, I am a sinner in need of salvation. I confess that Jesus is Lord, and I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead. 
And because I confessed and believed this in my heart, God, your word says I'm saved. Amen. If you said this simple prayer, my friends, you have just been saved by grace. Yes, it's just that simple. If you were sincere, you should feel a change in your heart right now. You now have free access to God. You are a saint, a believer, and most importantly, a child of the Most High God. I encourage you to join a faith-based teaching church. Continue to listen to Learning Bible Truth so you can grow in faith and learn how to walk in God's amazing grace. Renew your mind with the Word of God so you can establish a relationship with Him. God wants you to enjoy life, laugh, love, forgive, and treat everyone you encounter with compassion, dignity, and respect. Now stand by for my closing remarks. Pray that you were blessed by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this message, please send your comments or questions to talkingbibletruth.cd at gmail.com. And if you would like to support this podcast financially because you feel we have been a blessing to you, go to one of my five podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, or Radio Public, and contribute an amount of your choice. Now, until next time. Remember that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by sight. I am your host, Dr. Kamala D. Rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. Thank you for tuning in and I hope to see you next time.